Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I, of course, am your host, Greg, as always, and today I'm coming out of retirement again. I don't know why I always say that. I always say I'm coming out of retirement. I'm not really. I'm just, I'm coming off a hiatus. How about that? I'm coming off my hiatus because another story has has tripped my trigger and it is a GameStop story, which I know you guys are probably all rolling, collectively rolling your eyes back into your head. But this was an interesting one because it doesn't have to do with like goofy meme stocks or anything else, but an, an overworked staff that walked out and, and kind of what led up to that. And, and it's interesting to see the things that people are complaining about in 2022 that I could make arguments that I saw happening in 2000 between 2008 and 2011, if not earlier. I mean, who knows? I had such rose colored glasses on for that company for such a long time that you know, and I was trying to get on the promotion train and I was the, I was the, I was the company man, you know, I was the suit. And so I would have, I ate up everything that they were selling. And so who knows, it could have been that bad for a long time and I wouldn't have noticed. Um, so we're going to talk about that. I think that's a neat story with, which obviously I haven't, uh, quite an insight on, but it's also good just to be back. Good to be chatting with y'all. I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, everything's going great at the store. We, uh, we've started our summer hours. We've been doing that for about a week now. And uh, if you're not local or you haven't been hearing me talk about it, I'll kind of break down what we did. So normally my employees, we work um, four 10-hour shifts. So like our, our schedule is is four 10-hour days. Um, and we're open 10 to 8. So like everybody essentially works. You work a 10.5-hour shift with a half-hour break unpaid and then two 15s that are paid. And... So, but basically you're at the store for like 10 and a half hours. Like that's, that's a long day, even though it's only four days a week, you know, it's still a long day. So what we've done is we reduced the store hours down to 11 to seven and we're closed on Mondays. So that did two things for us. One, it made our days shorter. So instead of me putting them on five, eight hour days, I left them on four hour days or excuse me, four day weeks. So now they only work roughly 36 and a half hours a week, as opposed to working 40 hours a week. So it's not a lot. It's a couple less hours a week. You get home a little earlier. You go to work a little later. It just makes sense. Um, you know, it's it's kind of for the mental health of the staff in the store and myself too. It's not just for them. It's for me too. Um, and then being closed on Mondays also gives us the extra shifts to have triple coverage every day of the week now, except for one day. So that's interesting because now we've got three people, which also means you get more work done when you're at the store, more opportunity to help people. It's interesting. Um, it, it's It's good. It's really good. So, uh, so we started that last week, you know, there's always a little bit of growing pains with it. You have customers that show up on Monday, you know, and you're like, we're closed. Um, or, or they'll, they'll, someone will roll up at seven 15 and we used to be open till eight. Now we're only open till seven. And they're just kind of like, you know, they're like just stunned a little bit, unfortunately that we're closed. And, and it's, so there's some growing pains there. We actually had someone last night rolled up at like seven 30, right. As we were getting ready to leave. And they were criticized, like they basically, they, they, pulled on the door and, and it was closed. And then they looked at the hours, the big sign on the door that says new summer hours, 11 to seven. And then they called. So we answered the phone and we were talking to them and they basically were kind of, well, you need to change your hours online then. And like, well, we, we have, I don't know what else we can do. I mean, I've changed them on Google, changed them on Facebook, changed them like every, everywhere that would list our business hours has changed. So I'd, it's tough because you, you know, you feel like you're leaving people out, but there has to be like a little bit of responsibility on people's parts. Like, we, we talked about changing our summer hours. We've had signups for almost a whole month and then we've been doing it now for a week. It's just kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I think too much 
<laughs> of of people but i just feel like it'd be it'd be nice if sometimes you can get some a little bit of understanding there but for the most part people are right don't don't let don't let some negative experiences taint like the whole experience and we oddly don't get a lot of phone calls before we open and and, and after we close now like it's it's weird like i would have thought we'd have a lot more calls between seven and eight people thinking we're open or, or not but um it's not and so it's actually been pretty good um uh i don't know about anybody else but i am just in a rut with playing games uh, i crushed through elden ring which was amazing start to finish just an absolute treasure of a game still secrets being found you know still amazing things to to do that haven't been done that i haven't done before uh the lore discovery and and all the lore hunters are going nuts with the game so it's really fun to watch a lot of youtube videos on what people have found really cool stuff it's great and then after that was done, I just was like out of gas. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I picked up a game. Uh, I started toying around with something called Emulation Station. Uh, there's a desktop edition, which is kind of neat because you can install it to an external USB drive, and you can take it to any computer you want, and you run it off of the drive. And it's like this, you know, basically it's just an emulation, you know, box. You know, think of it as like a. It's it's all software emulation, obviously, but it's got a really neat front end, so it's really. Um, it's really cool to like have all your games listed with pictures and information of the games and when they released, like it's really well made. Think of it as like an NES classic, but with like every game and that, you know, so I was working on that, setting that up because on my PC, I can emulate PS2, you know, all um, original Xbox, Wii, GameCube. So a lot of stuff that like you can't do on the PlayStation classics or on, on little, um, uh, you know, on little raspberry Pis and stuff. So it's been fun you know, setting that up, but then I get that all set up, right? I spend hours upon hours scraping the metadata so that I can get pictures and names of everything and release dates. And then, and then I'm done and I don't, I don't play anything. (laughs) It's like, it's like setting it up and doing it is what I enjoyed having it and, and playing it is not. Uh, so that was unfortunate, but, uh, two weekends ago I did go, or was it last week? Last weekend, last weekend I went to, my friend Mike's cabin and there's no internet up there. There's no cell service up there. So we always take some game as like a project. And back in January, I took the first Kingsfield from the U S which is actually Kingsfield two in Japan, you know, final fantasy syndrome. And, uh, we beat that. We beat the first Kingsfield. It's a game I've been playing throughout the years. I played it when it first came out and I loved it, but never finished it. Finally went through the whole game and finished it. And it was incredible. I am pretty sure I talked about it on a, on a podcast here. So we this time we decided to tackle Kingsfield 2, which is Kingsfield 3 in Japan, but our Kingsfield 2. And and just again a game that I've played before but never finished and it was awesome. And you know so I got through that. So that was the first game I put any actual time into since Elden Ring. And so it's just been a weird sort of um I'm in this weird transition period where I want to find something to play. Now, admittedly there's not a lot out there. You know there's not really any super blockbusters that are that are games that I feel like I have to play. Um, you know, you've got God of War, which is something I'm really looking forward to, but that's hopefully by the end of the year still. Um yeah, I mean it's just it's 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 been light. You know, game development, you know, was funny with COVID and everything happening, a lot of games got delayed for a little bit, but I don't think people saw the ramifications of years after. So like the games that were just starting as COVID started, how far back those got pushed. And so um you know, it's been, it's been kind of a weird year for games anyway. Arguably not a lot of great stuff has come out. 
but uh but yeah we got some good stuff coming out though that uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is coming out I think in like a week uh that looks fantastic um like a Turtles game made by Turtles fans of the original Turtles games and uh just it's gonna be a love letter to the series I think I'm, I'm pretty excited to play that but you know what that's an arcade style beat-em-up that's a game you're gonna finish in a day you know I mean and you'll play through it more probably for unlockables and stuff but it's a game that's you know over pretty quickly um so so yeah but kingsfield 2 i just i'll touch a little bit on it um if you've heard me talk about kingsfield 1 it gets really weird at the end but it was fun and the last boss in kingsfield 1 was really unique but kingsfield 1 most of the environments felt indoors like you felt like you were inside of a cave or underground or something like that kingsfield 2 weirdly you feel like you're outside a lot um, and, and not that that's a bad thing necessarily, but it's different. Uh, there's a much m- more generous teleportation system in Kingsfield too. Uh, you get these items that teleport you to the golden fountains. So if you're ever in trouble, you use that, you teleport out and you can full heal and usually save near one of those spots. Uh, as far as I found, there weren't any places you could get permanently stuck in Kingsfield too. Like there were in Kingsfield one, like the, in Kingsfield one, there's straight up holes in the ground that if you fall in and you don't have the teleport key out, you cannot leave. Like you straight up just bone your whole save. If you haven't saved in a while, you have to go back to your previous save, which is, well, it's nonsense, <laughs> but I didn't really run into that at all in Kingsfield too. And, uh, and it, but it was fun. Uh, strangely enough though, there's only one boss in Kingsfield too. And it's the last boss. <laughs> it's very strange. Like I would, not that there's a lot of bosses in Kingsfield, but there was like, there's like the mega Kraken which is kind of like a, a difficulty gateway. Like it, it prevents you from getting a certain spot in the game early on. And then there's the giant termite in Kingsfield one that you fight to rescue like the little kid. So there seems to be like bosses, but in Kingsfield two, there was nothing like that. Um, it was pretty much just like the, the areas themselves were the boss as weird as that sounds like these, these levels were like diabolical. Um, some with a ton of traps, very reminiscent of stuff like Sen's Fortress and Dark Souls, if you've played that, where there's just a bunch of spinny traps and saw blades and javelins poking you from the wall and just absolute nonsense. Um, but the, the only negative I would say about the whole experience is I'm very glad I played it and very glad I beat it. But we knew we were on a time crunch and we knew we didn't have the internet up there. So I took my Kingsfield 2 strategy guide along. I have a physical strategy guide for Kingsfield 2 from like 1996 or whatever. And so I took it up there and we used that to get through the game. And for a while, my buddy and I, he was like, okay, now go straight. Now turn left here, go straight. You'll pick up this item here. Okay, now turn around and go back. We were using it like almost to try to speed run the game. And I think that hurt the experience. There wasn't that level of exploration and finding stuff and figuring stuff out. Like you totally miss all that because you've got a book to tell you. And I've never been like a much of a strategy guide user. I typically would buy a strategy guide with a game. And then when I needed help or wanted to find something extra, I would use that book. But in this case, we were using it because we knew we were on a time crunch. We only had the weekend. Right. And so I think it actually killed the experience when we beat Kingsfield one, we didn't use a guide at all until we had to, um, we didn't use a guide until we were hundred percent stuck and did not know where to go. And then I figured out where to go and we, we got past it. But in this game, using the guide the whole time was, was a big negative and I wish I hadn't done it, but I'm glad I beat the game because without it, I, I probably wouldn't have beaten it. So it was cool to, to, to put a feather in my cap of that game and, uh, and to move on. Uh, so, uh, with that being said, um, that, that's pretty much me. I hope everyone else has been doing well. 
hope hope life's been treating you well. The world's kind of a wild place right now, as it, as it always is. You know, gas prices are are very very high, so I know there's a lot of people feeling that that pinch. Um, it cost me about a hundred bucks to fill up the Jeep, which is, you know, I don't drive very much, so it's not that painful for me. But, you know, I took a trip to Sheboygan to check out Freak Toys the other day, and then I took a trip somewhere else, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm filling up like once a week, and it's crazy to think about spending four hundred dollars a month on gas. You know, it's 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 wild. Um, we we've been uh, the store though, even with the new hours, like we've been busier. Like we take that ten to eight, we used to be open, and now you crunch it to eleven to seven. And you seemingly get the same customers just in a smaller block. So you're technically busier, like you have more customers per hour, but it all kind of flows better. And the day goes by quicker, but it's shorter and it goes, so it goes by quicker anyway. So it's, it's, it's really interesting feeling. I'm, I'm really digging it. I have a feeling that when the summer's over, we'll keep the summer hours because it's just been a nice experiment. Um, and, and the staff feels it too. You know, that, that's the big thing for me. I, I, I'm very, uh, I, I'm over, I'm over compassionate and I have, um, a, a hyper, like I'm like a hyper empath. I've talked about that on the podcast before. So like I, I feel things like, uh, for other people very much more so than a, a normal pro- person probably should. Um, and so like when those guys are having a hard time at work, like I feel like I have to fix it and I have to make it better for them. And that's difficult because there's only so much I can do and still be a responsible business owner. Because at the end of the day, I want this to work for them. I want to pass this to them. This is their future too. And so I want this for them. So I have to be like that, almost like a parent. I'd like to think myself more as an older brother, but it's almost like a parent where I'm saying, this is like tough love. Like, yeah, I don't want to yell at you for not doing this properly, but you need to know how to do this properly because one day I won't be here. You know, either I'm going to die young, which is certainly possible. Not that I'm that young, uh, or I'm going to be out. I'm going to retire one day. I, I don't see myself working in the store much more than five to nine more years. You know, I mean, that's not working. Retail was not going to be till I'm 65, 70 years old. That was never going to be the plan. So, you know, so I've got, you know, roughly five, I'm like five to nine years is my goal to be out of the store completely. And then, but when I do that, I want to pass it off to them so that I'm out completely because I'm a control freak. <laughs> and if I'm an owner still, I'm going to want my fingers in the pies and I'm going to be telling them how to do it and what to do. And I don't want to do that. I want that. I want it to be theirs. I want them to run it and I want it to be their future. Um, and I want them to then build it up to a point where they get to make it their retirement, you know, and, and I hope they get to do that someday. Um, that's ultimately the plan that would make me very happy. Um, uh, but you know, it's tough because you, you I want to take care of them, but I can only do that to an extent without feeling like I'm doing the wrong thing by them, by not taking care of the store and thus taking care of them by association. So, but anyway, sorry, getting a little, little weirdly off topic ranting about the store stuff there. Um, but let's get into it. So the story we're talking about today, this popped up a couple days ago. It popped up on Tuesday, actually, so it's almost a week old already, which is hard to believe how quickly the weeks go now. But uh, this was the headline uh, on Kotaku. I had seen actually the picture on Twitter first. Someone had shared it basically that, you know, someone had put this picture up of a GameStop store they had found. And it was a picture of a GameStop and there was a sign in the window. And it just says, attention GameStop patrons. We regret to inform you that we all quit. Our district manager has no respect for us as employees or as human beings. 
We've been told by our district manager that we were supposed to have had this store achieving sales quotas and running perfectly six months ago, which was three months before a lot of us even got hired. Unfortunately, despite the staff's best efforts, we are not God. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, and then it goes on to say, for all your gaming needs, please visit. And there's like three other game stores that they mention in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it says, spend your money at an establishment that respects its employees. Sincerely, the former GameStop team. Uh, well, that's something. Um, I would say at, at least congratulations to them for putting up a sign. They could have just walked and then it would have taken time for people to figure out what happened and like even district managers and other people and other stores like trying to figure out what happened uh even though in my experience gamestop managers are pretty close like that would have you know someone would have talked to somebody through the pipeline but um so then kotaku did an article on the story and they go into more detail and they even reached out to the manager uh, the ex-manager and everything so we're going to kind of cover all this here so here, here's the article as it reads the GameStop in the Gateway Mall in Lincoln, Nebraska is one of the busiest around, at least according to the person who used to run it. But over the weekend, it was closed after four employees decided to walk out and never return over what he says are bad working conditions and a verbally abusive district manager. It's the second time this year a GameStop in the area saw its entire staff resign in protest. It's not uncommon anymore to walk up to a GameStop and see a sign that says the store is temporarily closed while employees are on lunch or bathroom break. Overworked and understaffed, sometimes there's only one person working the entire store, leaving them with no other option. On Sunday, the makeshift sign outside the Gateway Mall said something different, and that was the sign I just read to you earlier. Um, when Kotaku called the store on Monday, someone answered saying it would be open again soon and directed us to contact the communications firm Longacre Square Partners, which specializes in topics like investor relations shareholder activism, and crisis management. A representative of the firm refused to offer on-the-record comment on the situation over the phone. They declined to comment in writing either and demanded we not mention the name of Longacre in the story, <laughs> which obviously didn't happen. So, okay, so let's, before we continue, let's, let's break down where we're at here first. So what they're saying is that because of the poor treatment from their district manager, that they all walked out. So they locked the doors and they all quit, which, yeah, I, I can see that happening. I, I have to admit, I've never, I've never dealt with that in any of my stores when I was working, I worked at GameStop uh, between 2000 and 2011 and I never had anything like this happen. And in fact, we would have managers leave or we'd have managers out sick or something happen, right? And when that happened, though, there was always this weird expectation that the other stores would pick up the slack. Like, I remember specifically, we had a manager who, like, cut his hand or something in Sheboygan. And so it was an hour away from me, and they asked me to be the store manager there while he was recovering. So it was up to me then to staff my store so that I could run his store and my store but temporarily promote my assistant manager to manager so that like my store had a manager for hours purposes. That was more of just a way to manipulate the payroll hours. Um, and so I worked there for like three months over the summer one year. And when I turned in my expense check for my mileage, I was told that I wouldn't get that mileage because I was the store manager there and I chose to be the manager there. And I was like, hold, hold the phone. I was asked to come to the store to help it. This isn't my store. And it was, it was like a big ordeal. And I had to like fight with corporate 
over getting my my mileage it was like you know 50 cents a mile and it was i was driving i don't know 60 i was probably driving 100 100 miles a day if not more you know so it's like 50 bucks a day you know five days a week 250 dollars a week thousand dollars a month but again i'm paying gas for that plus wear and tear on my vehicle so it's not like i'm just getting free money I was making that drive. Like I was going out of my way to drive an hour, one way to work every day. Um, but that was a weird expectation in the GameStop days was that, so it, which is really contract contrast to their style of management and ranking because in man, in the way they manage and rank the stores, you're essentially competing with the other stores. You're ranked against the other stores performance. Yet when one of those stores goes down, or has an employee go down, you're supposed to supply the employees to make the store work. So it's it's a weird contrast because, of course, we're all a team. We're all part of the same company. So if a store loses an employee, we should all work together to get that store back up to full full strength. But then you shouldn't also then the next Monday on a conference call be complaining that one store is better than another store and ranking us all and talking about who's good and who's bad. Like we're all in this together. We should all be working together, not competing against each other. It's always been such a weird dynamic. And I'm a very competitive person. Being competitive at GameStop motivated me to do better. And I still recognize the kind of nonsense in it all. Um, so I've ne- I had never seen any sort of walkout like this in my day. Um, but, you know, what's probably happening right now is they're scrambling to get employees from all the other stores to just cover shifts. Um, they mention how, you know, in the article here, they mention how oftentimes people work by themselves. That, that's that been true since I've been a manager. Uh, there were times I would work by myself when we opened at 10 until my other part-timer came in at 2. And if you had used the bathroom between 10 and 2, you, you couldn't. You had to hold it. You couldn't take a break. You couldn't do anything. Our expectation of our district manager back then was that you do not close the store. You couldn't temporarily close the store, put a sign on the door saying you're closed, use the bathroom. Like, that would not have flown back then, which... It should have. I mean, like if, if you're if you're going to require your employees to work by themselves, you have to have some sort of coverage like that. Um, or, or you have to have some sort of agreement that it's OK. And and I'm sure that I'm going to say this because I, I have friends that are still managers there and they might hear this and say, yeah, man, but like you could have put a sign on the door. They couldn't fire you for that. And it's like it wasn't about getting fired over it. It was about how you were viewed. I was constantly trying to be promoted. I had to be perfect. I had to be squeaky clean and perfect if I was going to get promoted. I can't have a customer complain because, you know, I put a sign in the door because I dropped a deuce for 15 minutes. You know, like that's that if I get a customer complaint about that, then my store gets a customer complaint and then I'm not a good manager. You know, and, and here's the crazy thing. I know that that behavior is nonsense. When I had my own store, when I first opened Game Trade by myself, I worked 10 hours a day by myself. I wouldn't even put a sign up on the door. If I had to use the bathroom, I would make sure I went to the bathroom before I opened. I wouldn't drink too much during the day so I didn't have to use the bathroom. And if I, if some emergency came up and I had to put a sign on the door, I would. And I felt terrible doing it. Like I felt so guilty. Like I was such a bad worker and like what a bunch of crap that is, you know, like, geez, I'm supposed to feel guilty about having a bodily function emergency, you know? And that's how I was going to get old, you know, (laughs) get old. And you get old and like you gotta pee more. <laughs> it just happens for guys anyway. I don't know. I'm not sure what the ladies, um, but that's uh, how it goes, uh, gentlemen. So I hope I hope you're ready for that. Uh, you can't drink anything after you know five o'clock or six o'clock at night. Otherwise, you're up all night peeing. It's stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. Uh, so 
you know, so just the, but that, that's not uncommon at a GameStop store, even when I was there. And I would argue that when I was there, it was such a different time because they were the top of the world. They were the top of the video game world. There was no other retailer anywhere close to doing what we did. We did it. We were the only ones doing it. When other people tried it, we beat them out of it. We did it the best. We had the best employees. We had the best everything. And that's how, and that, and that was, there was something prideful about that. You know, obviously now times are a little different. Companies are changed. Times have changed. And like the, 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 the term I always had was Monday morning managers. So our district manager, we, we, I had a few in my day. Some were good. Some were bad. Some were good people and bad bosses. Some were bad people and good bosses. And some were, you know, most were somewhere in between. But what I mean by Monday morning manager is that you'd have somebody come in from their Monday morning. They were on the call with their boss. They got yelled at for something. So then they had their meeting with their people underneath them and they yelled at all them for it. And then those people were district managers. They had their conference call with us and they yelled at us for it. But every week it was just whatever the hot topic was. So let's say like, Oh, this week we didn't do good reservations on new release games. So we're going to yell like reservations were down as a company. So everyone got yelled at till it got to us. Even if you looked at my store and we were like top 1% in the coming reserves, I'm still sitting on a call listening to everybody else get yelled at about reservations when it's like, well, we're all doing pretty good, but why? So why, but that's the whole focus of the call because that's what he got yelled at for. The reason I bring that up is because, you know, this district manager in this situation is obviously getting squeezed by his regional. And I love how they use the term district manager. Cause that's, that's an old term, uh, district leader is I think what they call them now, unless they've switched back to manager, but it took me some getting used to, cause for us, it was always manager. It was district manager, regional director, and then whatever the people above him were. But in this one, it actually says our district manager has no respect for us. So that feels like old signage. Um, oh, it's, it's definitely old mentality. Uh, either the district manager goes by DM or the employees just use that term. Cause district leader, I thought was the, proper term. But anyway, you know, this, this, this district manager obviously must be in a low performing district and is trying to do whatever they can to elevate their performance. But I will tell you right now, a good leader leads how his people follow and teaches how they learn. So like you can ram your head against the wall all day, but if you're trying to force something in a way that doesn't help your people learn, then you're just fighting yourself. You have to change your management style to teach the way that they learn to make it beneficial for everyone. And it's like basic common stuff, common leadership management stuff. Um, so I'm going to go a little further here. Oh, actually. Okay. So I want to talk about the long acre square partners thing. So at the end of this, if you remember reading the article, it said that when Kotaku called the store that was closed, someone answered saying it would be open again soon and directed us to contact the communications firm long acre square partners. So I looked up Long Acre Square Partners and it, it's, I mean, it's your pretty typical, you know, like PR firm website, customized strategies, winning outcomes, trusted to deliver specialized counsel and execution when the stakes are highest. Like a bunch of words that don't actually mean anything <laughs> together in one sentence. Um, we pair full service communications capabilities with corporate governance and capital markets acumen. Okay. Also a whole bunch of words that are just like sound really good, but don't really make a whole lot of sense. 
Um, Long Acre Square Partners is differentiated by our high-touch and senior-led adversary model that focuses on preserving and maximizing value. <laughs> These are all like buzzwords. <laughs> Throw it together to make a non, a, 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 just like an incomprehensible sentence of, of buzzwords. Um, our team has unique experience representing companies and investors in hundreds of transformative events, transactions, capital raises, crises, and contested situations. So, and then I click on one of the things that's just their practice area. So these are the things that they cover. They do corporate positioning and investor relations, corporate governance and shareholder activism, M&A and transactions, crisis and special situations. <laughs> Is that like when, like an actor calls because they have a dead hooker in their trunk or something? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like crisis and special situations. Um, financial institutions and investment funds. So nowhere here, though, does it say we handle PR for GameStop corporates policies. You know what I mean? So whoever gave them their information obviously did so incorrectly. As you can tell, when they called Long Acre Square Partners, when Kotaka reached out to them, they not only declined to comment, they demanded that they were not mentioned in the story. <laughs> So clearly, Long Acre wants nothing to do with this, and rightfully so. Like this isn't what they do; they're, they're not a, they're not the PR company for GameStop, you know, stores. It's more a corporate level of how they're dealing right now with the meme stock stuff and all that, and like how they're going to handle, you know, the um. We t John and I did a podcast about this a couple years ago where it was like the uh, they, they did like a hostile takeover of the board. Like that's the sort of stuff that this company specializes in in getting the message out about. It's not they're not here to answer Kotaku's call about why a store is closed. So I wonder who that person who answered the store was or answered the phone at the store was. I mean, was that the district manager? Maybe that that that'd be a trip. Um, probably wasn't no district managers I ever knew ever answered the phone. <laughs> it was funny. Most district managers I knew were previously store managers. And so when they got to the district manager level, it was almost like they purposely were like, I'm not doing shit anymore. I'm not doing grunt work. I'm not a store worker. I'm a district manager. So I'm not answering the phone. If a customer comes in, I'm going to look at you and be like, Hey, could you help this customer please? Like they wouldn't help a customer. Not any of the ones I had experienced with. It was almost like they were above that job. And it was so gross because they were ex-managers. Like you expected them to know what you were going through. And, uh, and they didn't. So, uh, the story goes on to continue. Uh, this, the story goes on, excuse me, to, uh, talk to Frank Marr, who was the store's recently promoted manager. So here's, here's the continuation of the article quote for my health. I had to leave End quote. This uh, Frank Marr, the store's recently promoted manager told Kotaku in a phone interview, the stress and anxiety were so bad. He had trouble sleeping and wasn't even enjoying games anymore. He said he only started working there in late 2021. And while at first it was fun, it quickly turned into a nightmare between the lack of resources and management's strict quotas. He only started working there late 2021. This dude didn't even make it seven months. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, Th this guy didn't even make it six months before walking. Oh man. How did I make it 11 years? I know people that have been there 20 years. How do these people make it that long? You must have to have a certain like patience and a certain threshold for like un allowing nonsense because it, it, it just, it got so bad for me too. Like I just, I, and I was that guy, like I said earlier, 
I was that corporate guy. I would do anything the company asked if it meant I was doing what was right by the company so I could get promoted. That was always me. And now it's like, man, and, and how did I how did I do it that long? And then you get somebody like this, can't even make it six or seven months, which again, retail jobs kind of suck anyway. You know, customers over the last couple of years, I think it's fair to say some customers, not all customers, obviously some customers have gotten like more irritable more cranky, less patient with mistakes, even stuff that's not under our control. And so you've got that. Plus now you've got a boss just, just up your ass all day long. Like why would you work there? Because here's the tough part about GameStop. It's not for the pay, you know, it's not for the pay because they don't pay very well. Um, they bank on the fact that people want to work in video games and they know that they've got a stack of applications from people who don't know what it's like to work there. There's a stack of applications set aside that as soon as one person quits, they've got this incredible backlog of candidates to look through. When I left, my district manager told me when I left, I asked him because you know what? It would have felt good. I asked him, I said, is there any sort of offer on the table? Did you guys want to make an offer to try to get me to stay? And he said, no. He's like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have been able to offer you whatever it was to get you to stay. And at first I was like, yeah, that's probably, I mean, that's true. I wouldn't have stayed because the part of what I wanted was something that was taken away from me in my access to get promoted. Um, but besides that, it was not really a money thing. Cause I was about to open my own store and not make any money for a couple of years, but the regional director pretty much told my boss that he related to me was that they'll happily bring somebody in that makes $15,000 less a year than me. And will do in his words, quote, pretty much the same job, <laughs> which, <laughs> which was not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea the level of stuff I was doing because it didn't just extend. You know, people used to jokingly, like the other stores used to jokingly call me like the the Greg Johnson factory, uh, the Greg Johnson employee factory because I was constantly finding employees, training them and pushing them out to other stores. If you needed a new supervisor, you needed a new third key or you needed a new assistant, I had somebody waiting who was ready to get promoted. I had somebody in the wings who was good and who was going to be trained properly and who would take care of your store properly. And so it was whenever somebody needed help or someone needed a promotion or someone needed a, a position filled, I should say, I had that candidate already. So these are intangibles. That wasn't part of my job. Part of my job was not to train the next generation of employees for other stores, but I did that. And so there was a communal sort of like leadership there that, that was lacking, not to mention my offering to help other managers. I was a mentor to many, many managers that were coming up, even if just being like a, a well, I don't want to say a shoulder to cry on, even though that literally happened a few times. Um, it, it, it was more of just like someone to talk to when you're having a hard time. I can reach out to Greg. He'll understand, but he'll also be able to help me. He'll help me see it better. And he'll get me through the situation and he'll have suggestions on how to make it better. And, um, and that's what I did. And so those were like intangibles, you know, like, yeah, you could look at it and say, well, we'll hire somebody to do 15,000 less a year than this guy. And then we'll just, you know, his store will perform almost as good. Like, okay, if that's all you thought I was contributing, then you'd be right. But you are not. So, cause I was not. So, um, that, you know, that, that makes, 
a lot of sense. And so when you, when you don't pay people very well, because you know that you've got other candidates, that's kind of one strike against you. But if you say, Hey, the job's great. I love my job. I don't need to make money. Money's not everything. You know, I say that all the time at my job. I said, I, I literally sell fun for a living. If you can't like what, what you do, if, if you don't like what I do, uh, or if I don't like what I do, I'll go work somewhere else that I don't like and make a buttload more money. <laughs> Because, you know, if, if you don't like what you do, you might as well go find a job that you don't like that pays you a bunch of money. So at least you have something that you like out of it, you know? Um, but I don't do it for the money. I do it cause I love my job and I love, um, I love the training I'm doing with the guys I've got on staff now. And, and I, I love all that. Um, so, so you don't pay people very well and that, you know, so if your job also sucks and it's retail, which innately sucks, and then the pay sucks, like that's a recipe for people walking out on you. And, and I can't really feel bad for the company when it's always been like this. And it's just like anything else. You know, the CEOs will get this huge bonus. And I'm not opposed to CEO bonuses. I'm not that guy who's like, oh, CEO shouldn't get paid anything. The workers should make everything like CEOs get that money for a reason. I mean, do they need that much? Probably not. But just bear with me. What I'm trying to say is that it's not, it's not all anti CEO, but when you're, when you're a company that hasn't given raises to employees for years, because you're not making any money and yet your CEOs are still getting bonuses. That seems weird to me. That's off to me. That should be written into their contracts that they only get raises. If the employees get raises, like now is any CEO in the right mind going to take that deal from a company like GameStop, which is seemingly on the way out? No. So they can't do that. You know, and all that uh, resorts to like crazy stuff. It doesn't even matter. Like you got to get a good CEO that knows what they're doing to uh, to have the stock prices go up. If to get that CEO, you have to offer them a whole bunch of benefits. And then if it's a company that's kind of in the dumps, do you think that person wants stock options as their benefits? They do not. So then you have to offer them cash bonus, you know, and that's so that you can get the shareholders happy. So that the stock goes up so that more shareholders buy in. And it's like a whole thing that doesn't even have anything to do with the actual operation of the company. It's just incredible. Um, okay. So let's, uh, let's go on. Uh, he also claimed that he was never properly trained by the company on any of the new responsibilities he was given as manager, nor given the resources and time to train others at the store. At one point, he said he had to work over two weeks straight with no days off just to keep the store functioning. When I asked for support, I was met with silence, Moore said. <laughs> I mean, but this is the expectation now. It's different now, to be fair. But when I was there, I was a salary manager. They had not had the new salary laws that were put into, I think, during the Obama presidency era where you can't just be salaried and then force your employees to work a bunch of overtime without compensating them for it. Um, or if you did, you'd be, I forget what the exact law is. I apologize for my ignorance on it, but like it, it's something to do with. So they basically changed employees over to hourly and then I think they paid them hourly and then said that you can't do overtime. So then, cause when I worked there, you had to work a minimum 44 hours a week. You got yelled at if you didn't hit your minimum 44 hours a week. Now I was salaried. So if I worked 32 hours or 44 hours, I made the same money, which is kind of the point of salary. Like in theory, the idea of salary was that some weeks you work more, some weeks you work less. It all kind of balances out in the end. But the way GameStop always used salary was you're going to work a minimum of four hours of overtime every single week. Minimum. And if you don't work a minimum of four hours overtime for free for us, then you're going to get yelled at. 
Now, the other side of it, and again, it's different now. When I was there, uh, GameStop had this, like, what do I want to say? They had, like, this rule. What, what, no, I'm sorry. I am I got a little confused with what I was saying there. Uh, it was, like, it wasn't a policy, but it was how, how they did payroll was the manager who was salaried did not count towards the hours you got in a week. Okay? So, for instance... If the store was given a hundred hours of payroll, my hours didn't count. I had a hundred hours to give between my assistant manager, my third key and my associates. And so then if say for instance, um, another store needed help, well, I could, I could go work on one of my days off there because it wouldn't affect my store's payroll, but I couldn't get an extra day off at my store because then someone who doesn't, whose hours count Someone like that would have to cover for me, and then I would go over payroll. And that was a big thing in the company. My God, talking about payroll, 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 payroll. You can't go over payroll. You went over payroll. You went over payroll. Can't go over payroll. Oh, we're cutting payroll. Oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're cutting this. Oh, we're cutting that. Every single meeting we ever had as a district or as a region or as a company, we need to do something about payroll. That's what the employees would say. And then the regionals and district managers would all joke, okay, we're not talking any questions today, but not about payroll. <laughs> and that's how it always went because they didn't want to hear it because they knew, they knew it was crap. And so for this instance, the guy's store is not staffed properly. So he has to work two weeks straight to cover his store. Now, as somebody who has their own business now, what that store should have done was put a sign up saying that, you know, as we hire new employees, we're closed on like Mondays and Tuesdays or something. Like why, why does it, why is it mandatory that everyone else has to pick up the slack for a store just so it can stay open seven days a week? It's just so, it's so, it's, it's so mind boggling to me because when you're in it, you can't see that. I've only started to see it because I've been out of it. And even, even it's taken me 11 years to consider not being open every day again, you know, it, to break that weird habit of, of like what you consider normal you know, to, you have to break out of that. Um, so, uh, the article goes on to say, when I asked for support, I was met with silence. There was, then there was the district manager. Boom, boom, boom. I actually made a joke about this. If you ever watched the, uh, famous internet show called name tags, which I was, uh, a, a star of, um, I, <laughs> I had like two cameos. Um, but when I was on that show, I was the district manager of that show. If you don't know, let me give you a quick breakdown of name tags. If you've never watched name tags, name tags was an internet show that was made around 2007, 2008 for the website screw attack. And, uh, it was created by Jared who's, who's pro Jared now on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, he was my assistant manager at GameStop at the time. Uh, and then it starred my, one of my current employees, Dom, he was the star of it. And then, um, one of the other stars was Josh, who was another GameStop manager at the time, who's friends with Jared and I. Uh, and so name tags was like, I think it was 10 episodes and it was like a web series. Basically it was a live active web series. We recorded episodes. We wrote scripts and, um, it was about a video game store that Jared was working at. And, uh, Josh was the manager. Jared was the assistant and I cameoed twice as the district manager. So anyway, so the, the dreaded district manager, but if you get a chance to watch it, it's, it's very cheesy. The first episode, the audio is very tough. Um, but the audio issues fixed in the second episode, not I wrote and directed episode four. So if you happen to like episode four, 
Uh, that's your boy G Money over here. Uh, in my directorial debut. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so the dreaded district manager, bum, bum, bum. Then there was a district manager whom he accused of routinely threatening and dressing down staff over their quote unquote failure to meet impossible goals. Quote, he was abusive verbally, end quote. Moore said, quote, he would constantly threaten people's jobs, end quote. The staff would be told they could be easily replaced by other college kids, part of a ceaseless churn and burn, which I think, do they mean turn and burn? <laughs> churn and burn? Is that the, I don't I, I always thought it was turn and burn, but uh, mentality that Mars said was part of why the store was struggling to meet its unrealistic quotas. All he sees are numbers on a computer, end quote. So that hasn't changed in 20 years, apparently. But when I was there 10, 11 years ago, when I was there 11 years ago, this is how it was. I mean, you had every single week, you had emails every single day, rankings, 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 rankings. Here's the numbers. Here's the rankings. Here's your comps to last year, which don't get me wrong. Sales comps are important information that you need to know how your store is performing compared to the previous year. Um, but stuff like, then they had, uh, you know, they would bring in stuff like, oh, you know, you should be getting this many UPTs, which is units per transaction. So they're trying to make sure that you're adding stuff onto transactions or that you're offering things. Then, of course, reservations. Reservations are a big deal. And then they would track things like your trade-ins. And, and, and as somebody who owns my own business now and understands how that system works on an even in more in-depth level than I did when I worked at GameStop, like trades are not something you can ultimately control. Um, it's something that is done between offering good trade prices and offering good service and building a customer base and building an ecosystem that, that when people are done with games, they bring them back to you because you take care of them and then they can recycle those games into other games. When GameStop arguably, and, and I know I'm going to have people who still work at GameStop, even friends of mine, I, I love these people. Um, they're friends of mine, but this is, I'm sorry, this is true. I see GameStop's payouts every single day. I compare all of my payouts on modern systems and games to GameStop to make sure that we're beating them. It's a policy I've had since I opened, and it's a policy I still have. They pay abysmally, abysmally low prices. It's unbelievable sometimes what they pay. And I know, like, the first reaction whenever you say something like this, you get a, the first reaction you get is always, well, they're not going to pay 50 bucks for a sports game that's 10 years old. I ain't saying that, y'all. I ain't saying that, okay? You can go on there right now, and they'll be selling, like, Animal Crossing for Switch for, like, 45 bucks, and they're paying 12 You know what I'm saying? Like, th this... And, and to be fair, that's, that's an example I feel like I saw over the last week or two. I didn't just look it up. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. But that happens a lot, okay? And if you tell me that GameStop's so overstocked on Animal Crossing that they have to offer such a low price, that's bullshit. They're, they're, that's not happening. That's not happening because that game will sell a ton. And if you have, and here's always the other side of it. If you have that many, if that's accurate, that you've got so many copies that you have to pay that little, then lower the sale price, you horses asses. Because if you want to sell more copies and make more money, it's not lowering the price you buy it for. It's lowering the price you sell it for. Like, holy shit, I've only had my own store for 11 years. And that was one of the first things I learned. And so how at a corporate level that that's not understood, it's mind boggling to me. But that's because that's not what's happening. They're not overstocked on Animal Crossing for Switch. They just know that it's an older game. 
They can peel back the amount that they pay for it based on the whole, well, it's two years old now. It doesn't matter that it's two years old. People are, are buying it and selling it a ton. They have their transit. They know how quickly that game sells. I sold one yesterday for 40 bucks. We pay like 20 or $25 for it. You know, they could do that and make smaller margins. They're a big company. Why don't they do the Walmart method? Sell more with little less margins, but they're trying, they're trying to sell more and have, and have huge margins. It's just, it's, it's wild to me that, that, that still, they still get away with that. But anyway, again, got off on a little tangent there, but this is the, uh, you know, this is like kind of the mentality that the GameStops have always been. It's numbers, numbers, numbers. Like you live and die by your numbers. And then every now and then, like every four or five years, they would say, you know what we're doing this year? We're doing away with the rankings. We're not going to track reservations. We're not going to track subscriptions. We're going to let the stores manage it. Six months goes by. Oh my God. Our reserve numbers are so low right now that we're, we're tracking them again. Oh, okay. So let's see if you knew that, that means you were still tracking them, which means that you never stopped tracking them. You were just told us that you weren't tracking them to try to make us feel like we weren't so overworked, but then you started tracking them in the night. Ay, 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 ay. You know, um, which also I find funny because when you have like district managers that are like this bad, you know, that was the job essentially I was told I was not qualified for, <laughs> which is, is laughable because everything I do now as an owner is more than any district manager I ever had does. And so they lost me as a potential district manager, which don't get me wrong. I'm very happy. I left, you know, because of leaving there, I met my wife. I went through my weight loss. Like none of that stuff would have been possible with this amount of stress that you have at GameStop. So it, you know, I mean, I can't, I, I don't look back. I don't look at regrets and that stuff, but I do look back and just, it's still weird to me that that was like a position that apparently I wasn't qualified for. And then you hear stories like this, like a district manager, or, I mean, I could tell you a personal story. We went to Vegas one year. It was a manager conference for GameStop. And one of the people in my district, a friend of mine, he had a random roommate and the random roommate he got was this old manager. I helped train like in, oh, uh, in Indiana, like years earlier. And I was like, Holy crap, man. He's like, yeah, I'm a district manager now. And I'm like, Oh, well, congratulations. Apparently I, I trained you as a manager and then you've become a dish manager before I did. Okay, well that's interesting. And then and then the next night, my my friend who was a manager in the district, like he starts talking about how his roommate came in just super wasted and drunk, throwing up all over the hotel room because he was out partying with his district all night. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> oh my god! But at least he wasn't yelling at him, I guess. But th- you know, this again, that's like apparently what I wasn't qualified for. But anyway, I digress. So let's get back to the story. It's not about me, baby. It's not about the, this. Isn't the Greg show? This is a. Uh, this is about GameStop today. Uh, so the article goes on to say a similar walkout sign taped to Lincoln, Nebraska's other GameStop earlier this year also blamed the district manager for the mass resignation. "Quote: There have actually been four walkouts since August 2021 because of him," wrote one former employee on Facebook. Two at each location. The first ones were kept pretty quiet, though. End quote. When asked about the prospect of unionizing amid huge labor pushes at Starbucks, Amazon, and Apple, as well as recent efforts in the larger gaming industry, Mars said he can't see it ever happening. Like every other current and former GameStop employee I've spoken to in the past year, he feels turnover is too high and management too ruthless for anything like that to ever get off the ground. While it's always been a tough retail gig built on exploiting employees' passions for gaming, that's a nice way of saying it, there's a growing sense that turnover and burnout are worse than ever at GameStop. Even as its new corporate overlords tout a pivot to crypto, 
Last November, employees told Kotaku that they were being pushed to the breaking point during the holiday rush, and everyday posts about cratering, cratering morale and people quitting flood the GameStop subreddit. I actually is I, I've subscribed to the GameStop subreddit, and it is uh, it is it is a mess. Like I feel very bad for most of those people. Um, you know, I'd say about fifteen to twenty percent of it's complaining about customers, and the other percent is complaining about corporate and corporate policies and. It's really unfortunate because you can feel that there's a lot of people there that like didn't know what they were signing up for. And a lot of young blood that they're like, oh man, I just got promoted and my district manager says I can't take any days off for a couple weeks while I get the store staffed. I'm like, what the? Okay, that's okay maybe if you're making $100,000 a year, you know, like you got to put that time in at that corporate level. You're a store manager making, a starting store manager probably makes around 34000 a year, depending on the state you're in, obviously. But like that person's supposed to work two or three weeks in a row get the get the hell out of here um okay so uh, the article goes on to say quote i left because they pushed my old boss out and the new one was brought in by the district manager from south dakota and he was just really bad another employee who recently left the company told kotaku on facebook he was a jerk to customers and employees when he got hired, the entire staff quickly left except for me. I stuck around it until it was clear he wanted rid of me too. I'm honestly surprised more GameStops aren't down on workers. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. They are down on workers, but then they're going through their applications and they're bringing people on. And they're, they're basically, as they turn and burn these employees, you're getting a lower quality employee every time. And so that's the sort of subtle thing. I think that's what happened to Circuit City, and that's what was happening to Best Buy until they turned it around, was you start getting these worse and worse employees in, and you don't realize it until one day customers just aren't coming in. And you're like, why are customers coming in? Because every single person that, you know, most of these people you're hiring now have no customer service skills. They don't do their job properly. And then there's a mix of like crappy corporate policies in there as well. But so that's what's happening when these stores is they are able to fill them quickly with like worse employees that maybe didn't make the cut the first time. And then those people get burned and then they have to hire. And then as you get more desperate, you loosen your requirements of who you would hire just to have warm bodies on the sales floor. And then you just get this kind of churning and churning of, of like worse. It's like when you clone a clone, right? And you clone a clone, you clone a clone, like the clones keep getting worse. It's kind of like that, you know, really like you start to get this really low, lowest common denominator employee which ultimately is terrible for your business. Um, many have tired, the article goes on to say, many are tired of having to hassle customers about memberships and warranties like used car salespeople and of always being told it's never enough, all while random strangers gloat online about the meme stocks market-defying success. So, yeah, I mean, put away the meme stock stuff because people were like buying GameStop to like stick it to, you know, these like hedge funds, but like, yeah, I mean, that can't be very much fun when you start to hear all this positive talk about GameStop because it was a meme stock that's value is way over right now. But let's go back to the sentences before that. Many are tired of having to hassle customers about memberships and warranties like used car salespeople. I was just talking to somebody yesterday in the store. He's from Colorado and he was visiting his friend in northern Wisconsin and they'd made the trip down once a year he visits his friend and they always drive down and check us out hit a bunch of game stores and he he's working part-time at a GameStop he works Saturdays 
he's like basically i'm just working there because like it's like he's like i think he's in denver he's like denver's minimum wage is like 15 bucks an hour so i get 15 bucks an hour i get an employee discount you know i'm like okay that that'll make sense you know he's like it's one day a week and it's fun it gets me out of the house to like interact with other people who play video games I'm like that that makes sense to me why you would work there at that level but even he started you know he made a great point when we were talking about this because of course you know us, us old GameStop kin, the kinship of being an ex GameStop employee. Like he just, just, I don't know what to say it. Like you always draw to the same topics because it's been the same shit for 20 years, but he starts going on about, you know, they're, they expect you to sell these memberships and every year they make the membership like a tad bit worse. So now you don't get the 10% off used games anymore. You only get a $5 off coupon per month, but they don't, they don't stack. So you have to use it that month. And nothing in there is $5, so you always have to spend more. Like, it's, you know, it's uh, I, it's it's even harder to sell it now than it used to be. And it was hard back when I was trying to sell it. And we did well. Like, my stores were always top 1% to top 10% of the company in performance because, you know, like, we came up with unique ways to pitch it. And, and again, it's not even just how we pitched it. It was more we built a customer base. For instance, we didn't really have to push reserves on people. We just said, hey, did you need to reserve the new Call of Duty? Like if someone's buying like Ghost Recon, we'd say, oh, hey, do you need to reserve the new Call of Duty? Comes out in a couple months. Oh, yeah, I'll put five bucks down. Cool. We didn't have to say, you know, we didn't have to push because we had a good customer base and we built it and we built this ecosystem of customers coming to us. Like if they were going to buy a game, they pre-ordered it. That was just no ifs, ands, or buts. You went to GameStop and you pre-ordered it because that's what you did. We basically trained our customers that way. So, you know, it's like, that's how you're successful in those numbers. It's not like even how you sell it or how hard you push it. In fact, the more you push, the more desperate you seem sometimes it's bad. But even since I was there and obviously all the way until now, there's never been any sort of reward system for it. Like they've always treated GameStop employees like we're, you know, used car salesmen's not a bad example, but I always would say like cell phone salesmen or, or like furniture salesmen where they get a commission off of that. They, they want to push things on you like warranties and all this other stuff because they get a commission on that. We as employees of GameStop were pushing things on people and got nothing for it except to not get yelled at, which only gets you so far, like in office space, right? When he's talking to the Bobs about, you know about how he's like, well, you know, Bob, that'll only make you work hard enough not to get fired. <laughs> and that that's, you know, I mean, that's what you're doing. That That's like how the motivating factors work. Um, so the article goes on to say, so he decided to quit. And when the three other employees at the store heard he was done, they all decided to leave too. Maurer said he would have left earlier, but was afraid of walking away. I didn't want all of my passion and effort to be wasted, he said. But despite the time sink, he ultimately still felt tossed aside like a wet paper towel. This company inspires managers to be horrid to their workers. <laughs> Good God. What, what, a final, what a final quote. Quote, this company inspires managers to be horrid to their workers. Oh, man. Oh, boy. You know, that's kind of, I mean, that's that's it. I mean... It's a system set up where you're in constant conflict with your district manager and regional director. You know, um, you're constantly being ranked and compared. There was a, a, I remember um, an instance where this was like an initiative from our regional director where this was around early, mid 2000, maybe 2003 to 2005, somewhere in there probably. And I remember the regional director, we had a meeting and they basically said every year, 
We want you to look at your bottom performer and we want you to get rid of them. You should take your bottom performer every year and just fire them and then hire somebody to replace them. And I thought, okay, but my bottom performer is better than the five employees at this store. Why the hell would I fire my employee because they're not good? Because they're not as good as everyone else at my store, but better than... It's just it's mind-bogglingly stupid. Uh, mind-bogglingly uh, stupid. But that was this initiative, right? Now, that was middle management, right? That's your regionals. That's your district managers. My issues with the company were always that. Like, yeah, payroll is a pain in the ass. That's a corporate-level thing. But how that's presented to you, how that's presented to your... You know, like, like for instance, okay, I'm just going to give a quick example. Say I had to work an extra day because, you know, for whatever reason. My district manager could have come to a store and been like, hey, I'll come in uh, and I'll work from, you know, two until six with your other part, with your other manager. So we have double coverage and you can knock off a little early today since you put in some extra time earlier in the week. Never once did that ever happen. Never once did that ever happen to me. Put all this extra time in. And half the time I wouldn't even get thank yous because they were so used to me just doing it. I mean, one of my district managers one time, we we would get, you know, because that's a big thing of surveys now, right? Everywhere you go, it's like, please fill out a survey. Please fill out a survey. So GameStop went through that and they started requiring us to have so many surveys per week. You have to, you have to tell me about the surveys because we got to get surveys. So not only do you want us to pitch reservations and subscriptions and push extra products to get our upts up now you want us to also push people like people don't want to be bothered i've learned that over the last 11 years too like you can read when some people care and some people don't just move on there's no reason to like get hung up and like keep keep trying to like squeeze more things out of these people are you serious and uh so anyway um you know i remember um i remember the surveys and my boss my boss one time, you know, I think it was after a conference call and he had had like, whenever there was a positive survey, he would always like read it on the conference call to make that manager feel good. And I remember we were talking after a conference call one time and I said, man, I just, I said, I can't believe like I've been, you know, we tell a lot of people about surveys and I thought like our customers really like us. And I'm like, I can't believe that we haven't been getting any good surveys. And he goes, Oh, Greg, you get good surveys like every week. He's like, but what am I going to do? Just talk about how good your store is every week on the conference call. (laughs) Like, Okay, well, you didn't have to do it every week, but maybe once in a while, you jackass. You know, I mean, yes, like, I'm sorry I'm that shallow and I need that confirmation, but give me a freaking break. So he just wasn't doing it because it might have been demoralizing to the other staff that, you know, Greg, your store was always doing so well. Like, well, I never heard my store was doing well, you know? And, and the last story I'll tell, I don't know if I've ever told it on the podcast before, um, but I had, this was when I was, going to be a district manager. I was in the program training. I was an area manager. So I I was in charge of two other stores, including my own. And I helped run a meeting, which was a district meeting. So it was maybe 16 other stores there. It was the regional director was there. My boss was the district manager was there. And then I was there and it was, I was supposed to run the meeting with my district manager. So there were like two or three parts of the meeting of maybe a five or six part meeting. I think there were two or three parts that I actually presented and I I wrote what we were going to talk about. I presented it and it was all good. So I put a lot of work into it. The meeting comes up. It's very receptive. 
my peers uh, take it really well. A lot of them I've known a long time. They respect me. It goes well. So I'm riding home with my district manager after the meeting because it was like an hour drive wherever we all met. We're driving back and he gets a call from our regional director. His name is Tim. Tim Tim was a real piece of human trash. Um, <laughs> he's one. I don't. I, I mean, there's not many people I hate in this world, and I hate that man. Um, uh, he, what a horrible human being. Um, anyway, so uh, we're riding back, and he gets a phone call from Tim, and so he, my boss at the time, Sean, just kind of looks at me and goes, "Hey, you know, don't just just be quiet. Don't say that you're here." I'm like, "Okay." So I'm just sitting there riding, and he answers the phone on speaker and he's like hey tim what's up he's like hey hey sean do you got a few minutes like he's like yeah i'm just driving back he's like okay are you by yourself he's like yep i'm all by myself which wasn't true i was in the car he goes yep i'm all by myself what's up and then tim just goes wow greg he did a really good job today huh he he did really good did he not just look like a district manager up there like he looked like a manager above managers didn't he look good and i'm just like glowing inside I'm just like, like my heart is warm. Like my body's warming up. Like I'm having a physical, a physiological reaction to something said. And I'm like, oh my God, like it's happening. Finally, all this, all this work, all this shit I've been eating, like all this, it's working. I'm going to get promoted. And then Sean goes, yeah, yeah, man. He's, he did great. Yeah. I was really impressed by him. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, this is so great. And then Tim goes, but Hey, I don't want to tell him that. In fact, I want to kind of tell him that, that, it wasn't quite what we were expecting from him. I want to keep him hungry. I want to make sure he knows that like he's got to fight for what he wants. And I'm just sitting there and my, and my heart just sank. And I think that's the actual moment I knew I would never get promoted. It just like, I, I, I was their guy. I was the corporate guy. I, I was the bootlicker man. I was, I was that corporate shill. Like that was me embarrassingly to admit now, but at the time I was proud of that. And, uh, <laughs> and man, to hear that, uh, my heart sank, man. And, uh, and I, I think that's when I knew. And that was in like, I think that was the summer that was in like the summer or fall. And then the, the next December is when I had, um, according to the people on the call, we called, uh, it's been referred to as the Greggy Freakout, where, uh, I got very upset and, uh, yelled at my boss and <laughs> used a lot of curse words and, um, almost got fired. Uh, but what they did do was they, pulled me out of the district manager training program, which I'll tell that whole story maybe sometime. But, uh, so that was ultimately that happened in like December. And then I left in February and I, uh, opened game trade in April. And and that was 11 years ago, 11 years ago and three months, um, a long time ago. But so it's really sad. So, I mean, ultimately when it comes to these employee stories, like I'm very happy they did that. Um, GameStop, middle management has been very abusive and it's not just the managers it's the process it's the policies that are abusive like this this pushing sales really hard and all that sort of stuff is is borderline abusive if you don't have the right sort of teachers and mentors in place and i'm sure there are good ones out there i i'm sure there's good regional directors i'm sure there's good district managers but stories like this are becoming more and more common and i'm glad it kind of hit the hit the news cycle because i, I wish more people would know about this and it's not like shitting on GameStop because that, that happens. And I don't, I don't, I've said that many times on this podcast. I don't just crap on them just to crap on them. Like, you know, it's, um, I don't know. It's just it, like, this is a legitimate issue. And, and I'm glad that it was kind of brought into the light, even though it died off pretty quickly. Um, and I don't know. I, I hope that, uh, I hope 
that they get better. And I've always said that about GameStop as well. Like I want them to get better. I want them to treat their employees better. I don't want them to go away. I want them to be a company. I want them to be a leader in the video game space because they're part of the ecosystem. I, I say this all the time on here. The used game video market is an ecosystem. It's quite fragile and you need an influx of new product that people buy new, then they play, then they sell. We don't buy new games at my store for the most part. We rarely have new games. So I need Walmart's, Best Buy's, Target's, and GameStop's to be selling lots of new games so that people buy them locally and then sell them to me for cash or for credit. And then they buy other used stuff and thus the cycle continues. And we've been successful with that for 11 years. But, you know, like I, I want them to do well and I want people to be able to work there and I want people who work to be happy. And like, just because you have to work all day doesn't mean you're supposed to be miserable. You know, there's more to life than being miserable all the time at work, you know, and, and we have to work. Like I get it. I'm not an anti-work guy, but like you have to work and still have a life balance outside of that. And I've always felt like GameStop took advantage of that. I mean, I wasted my twenties and again, I don't regret it. My life is infinitely better now. And, and if it weren't for them being that way and everything I did in my life led me to where I am now and I would change none of it, even the hurtful things, because all of it brought me right here when I arguably met my happiest I've ever been in my life. And so I don't want to change anything, but I wasted my twenties. You know, all I cared about was the company. I put everything else aside. My own health, I put aside. I was like so fat. I was like 400 pounds. And all I did was eat, eat my stress away. And I didn't work out. I didn't do anything. And then I was, I had my own store for one year. And then I lost, after that, I started my weight loss and I lost 170 pounds, you know? Like that happened after only a year of not having the stress of GameStop crushing me to death. And that's not anybody's fault. That's not even GameStop's fault though. That's my own stress management. I'm not trying to put that on them, but like that, that exists. Like that's a real thing, you know, but anyway, um, so that's, that's the story though. Uh, man, it, it makes you want to double and triple think about ever stepping into one of those stores again. Um, but, uh, with that, that's all I had for you guys today. Um, you know what I'll do since I haven't done it in a while? I'm going to talk a little bit about my games of the week. Let's talk about my pickup pile here. Um, so the first thing I have to say is, and I've said this before, I've been on a big import kick. Like last summer, I was buying a lot of imports. Well, thank you very much to our good friend, John, uh, you know, a constant voice on the show here. He found a new import website and the prices are insanely good. And I must have bought, if I had to guess, I've bought about, 100 to 200 import games over the last month (laughs) it's crazy the deals they have like i'm getting a bunch of great ps1 games oh it's just nonsense so i'm not going to read them all off um because most of them are just weird japanese rpgs we never heard of um but like some of the highlights though like I, i picked up a copy of snatcher for ps1 um they did the game snowboard kids they did a ps1 version of that so i scooped that um i got uh, let's see. That's, that's kind of, I might run into some more imports, but non-imports. I picked up uh, dirt five for PS five. They actually, so that game, if you try to get on eBay right now, it's like a 40 or $50 game. They had it on the import site. They had the U S version for like $15. It was great. Um, I picked up a copy of front mission evolved. I got transformers war for Cybertron. Finally for PS three, I got Alice madness returns for PS three. Um, let's see here. I'm just kind of going down my list of stuff. I got to pass a lot more imports here. <laughs> like it's, it's ridiculous. How many imports I've been buying. It's like a, it's, it's madness. Um, 
I picked up Tales of Destiny 1 and 2, the imports for PS2. Um, I got, this was kind of neat. So Police Knots was a Hideo Kojima game that he did right before Metal Gear Solid. And they released that on a lot of systems, but I picked up the pilot disc, which is the demo disc for 3DO. I got that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I picked up some of the Shin Megami games for Saturn. Um, let's see. Oh my God. There's so many imports. Like it's stupid. I've been going through from May 26th until now. It's like all imports. Cause I bought so many. Um, I'm really happy with it though. I had to buy another shelf for my game room. <laughs> it's like, I should, I should stop buying games, but instead I just buy more games. Um, and let's see. So I picked up a couple of Sega CD games. Actually, I got space ACE dragon's layer and the terminator those were ones i needed i got a copy mint and box of blackthorn for 32x um batman returns for sega cd prince of persia for sega cd those are both pretty good um i picked up a couple of ps2 games raiden 3 and Mega Man x command mission um some more ps1 games like excalibur 2555 and bug riders which bug riders is a hot mess big piece of shit but, you know, it is. And then I got the Mortal Kombat games, Sub-Zero, Mythologies, and Mortal Kombat Special Forces. But, um, yeah. So, a lot of stuff. I mean, even all the way back to May 5th, which I'm trying to think the last podcast I did. It was after Midwest, but I think it wasn't before I got this. But I picked up, like, yeah, because I talked about some of the stuff I got at Midwest. Like, I got Outrun and Wizardry and stuff like that. So, um, but anyway, uh, I've been picking up a lot of stuff. Um Ooh boy. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. Um, but all right. Uh, so everyone, thank you as always for listening and hanging out. I, I appreciate it. I, I'm trying to do better, you know, get these out a little more frequently because, uh, I do appreciate everyone listening and, and always coming in and saying, Hey, the podcast is great, but where is it? <laughs> um, and so I do. And now that I'm on summer hours, I feel like I should have you know, when a story comes up, it's a lot easier just to pop on and, and do a quick one. Not that this was a quick one. We're clocking an hour and 20 minutes already, but, um, but I do appreciate it. I love all of you and I, I appreciate all of you so much. Um, keep an eye out too. We might start doing some streams from the store on Monday nights when we're closed. Uh, we might actually just start doing some streams from there, maybe some live sales or just something to kind of, I don't know, something just to get some energy in the store and, and, uh, something fun, you know, get, get, get our name and face out there in a different way. Hit that, hit that online spectrum finally. So, um, but I will talk to you all next time. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Wait, did I, did I botch that? How do my endings go? I say, I say, thank you all for listening and watching. <laughs> Have a good one. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. I think that's how it goes. Well, in any case, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>